Good morning. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. If we could, let's please stand for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me by night be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome this morning on this Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of our fathers out there. Um, we're excited that you're here. This is a big week at Broadway Baptist Church. It is a week of VBS, uh, so uh, obviously. <laughs> so we're so glad that you're here. I know there are a lot of hands uh, on deck this week ready to help. And I, I'm sure if you want to find a way to help last minute, I, I bet uh, Nancy and Sherry can find a place for you. So uh, let one of them know, and I, I can almost promise you they can find something for you, unless otherwise, you know. <laughs> but uh, let, let, if, I, if you have enough help, Sherry and, uh, and, uh, and uh, Nancy, uh, well, you let me know <laughs> later. <laughs> but uh, we're so glad you're here. Uh, this time I'll hand it over. I don't know where David is. Oh, there. I'll hand it over to David. A lot, a lot's changed in here, so uh, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. All right, thank you. We're going to begin by singing a hymn called Love Lifted Me, and I'd ask you to stand as we sing, please. My despairing cry 
From the waters lifted me now safe and Love lifted me, love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me, love lifted me Lifted me when love lifted me. All my heart to him I give. Ever his praise to sing, love so mighty and so free. Marist my souls, but faithful, loving service to, to him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger, look above. Jesus says, He will lift you by His love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea. Billows his will obey. Love lifted me, love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Would you join me as we go to our Savior in prayer? Holy Father, thank you for the privilege of gathering in this place today that has been a set aside for a time of God's people to get together to worship and to praise you. We thank you for the bountiful blessings of this past week. We anticipate, Lord, what you have for us today and all of next week. We thank you, our Father, for all of those who are going to be working and laboring in Vacation Bible School. But not only we pray for the workers, we pray for the children and the parents, Lord, that will be bringing their children for vacation Bible school. And we pray, Lord, for the family of our workers. Uh, we realize, Lord, that uh, things are a little different when mom's gone every day in teaching and involved in Bible school. And so we just pray for understanding and cooperation in the family. We thank you, Lord, for your great salvation that you have given unto us. You're so loving the world that you want everyone to come to know you as Savior and Lord. Father, there are special needs among some of our folks this morning. 
going through the process of grief, some with injuries, some recovering from surgery, some facing surgery, many challenges lie ahead. We lay those before you this morning. And those of our church family that are in the hospitals, we pray for them. And then we pray for our pastor this morning as he comes to break your word of life into us. Inspire him, anoint him for the services today. And may the blessed Holy Spirit have freedom to work. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. You may be seated as you're seated. We're going to sing together the family of God. And while we're doing that, children are going to come and get on the stage, get ready for a children's sermon. Family of God. Sing with me, please. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain. Out of the way, you're blocking it. Get I'm of the family, the family of God. Here we go, sing it again. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. as we travel this sod for I'm part of the family the family of God we are about to have Father's Day children's sermon so these are the children that were downstairs in children's church I'm going to put this container right here if you are here and you are a, uh, a child and you were in children's church through fifth grade, I want you to come on down. Uh, so all the children can come sit here. We'll, we'll make a, a spot. We're going to honor our fathers, and then we're going to read a Bible verse, and we're going to have a special gift uh, for the children. We're going to uh, debut our offering octopi. Did you know the plural of octopus is not octopuses, it's octopi, so I've learned that. <laughs> so octopi, we're going to debut them this morning. So all the children, if you're a child here, you want to come on down. This is the, the place to be through, through fifth grade. All right, before we do it, we want to tell you today is Father's Day, and we want to recognize our dads. And we'll, um, we're going to ask our fathers to stand up, and not only just our fathers, but also our fathers-to-be. So if you're expecting it, uh, if you're soon to be a father. So at this time, let's ask all of our fathers to stand up. A great group of men. Thank you so much for that. All right, so I need to make a spot for me. We're going to read a Bible verse. Good luck. Elizabeth, what if, I sit, what if I sit right here? All right, and we're going to need a reader. We're going to read a Bible verse because gonna, we're going to talk about uh, Vacation Bible School starts tomorrow. And uh, part of VBS is what we call our offering. And one of the things we always like to give, uh, and that's something God expects us to give, we give to help others and give to support other, uh, maybe other little children. And there's something called the Kentucky Baptist Children's Home here. It's called Sunrise Children's Services. And it's a children's home 
that helps children. So one of the great things that we do for our VBS is we have our offering, which is children giving to children. So that's what's uh, wonderful about this, um, our offering that we're going to give. So it's all of our children. So what we're going to read a Bible verse that talks about orphan care. So who would like, who here's a good reader? <clears throat> Since you're near about, young lady, what's your name? Jillian. Julianne? Jillian. Jillian, how old are you? Six. Are you a good reader? Yes. All right. Jillian, here we go. We're going to read about it. Can you stand up? Is there room here to stand up? Can you stand right here? We're going to read a Bible verse, one Bible verse out of the book of James. James 1.27. Okay, it's right here. I've got it marked. It starts with the word pure. It says pure. Pure. And. And. Unde- these, these are big words. This is a hard Bible verse. Pure and undefiled. Pure and undefiled. Religion. Religion. Before God. Before God. The Father. The Father. Is this. Is this. To look after. To look after. Orphans. Orphans. And widows. And widows. Good job, Julian. You did a good job reading. <laughs> Jillian. Jillian, because of that, I'm going to let you have a handful of gold first of what we're about to do. So, one of that Bible verses, it says there in James 1 and 27, that pure religion is to look after orphans and widows. And one of the things that we know, children, about the Sunrise Children's Service is they do what they call orphan care. They also do foster care. And these are for children who um, maybe they're in a, a difficult time in their life, and they're in a special home. So someone else uh, maybe takes care of them for a little while. So that's what our offering goes towards. So one of our goals is that we try to uh, meet that Bible verse through our VBS offering. So what we're going to have this year is we're going to have an offering contest. And we've got, we've got something. This is brand new. We're about to debut it right now. So Julian, I want you to come on up for us. Julian. <laughs> Julian. Yeah, we're about to plug them in. Jillian, did I pronounce it right? All right, come on down. And what we're going to do, children, our Father's Day gift this year is all from all the men here. They've given you money to donate to the, to the Blue Offering Octopi. This is our... It is. It's from... Oh, thank you, men. Thank you for your gift. So what we're going to do is our offering contest on Friday night... On Friday, I only know how to work one of these here. On Friday night, if the boys went, you know, last year we raised $1,360. So we want to top that for the Sunrise for the Kentucky Baptist Children's Home. So uh, unfortunately, last year the girls won. And I received three pies in my face. This year, we won't miss Miss Sherry, Miss Nancy, and Miss Shauna. They all need some pies on Friday night. So the boys need to win. Yeah, say there we go. Good job. Finally, Rick. So, all right, so what we're going to do, I've got lots of money. We're going to get it started. I'm going to plug this in. You come grab a handful and come, and it, will, it sucks it out of your hand. This is the offering octopi. So let's try it out. Julianne, you're going to be the very first person. All right, let's make a line. Grab a handful. 
All right, we want to keep the assembly line going. Come on, girls, we're giving to the blue machine. All right, all right, we get one, we get one handful each. All right, when you're done, you're gonna go to your seat. Wow. Esther, do you want to grab? Esther needs help with her handful. Esther, you get. All right, Esther, here we go. Esther, thank you for giving to the boys. All right, th this is going to take forever. Uh, okay, why don't y'all hold the nozzle and y'all suck it up? Are they going to go over there? They have cash in theirs. <laughs> they do. They have a... <laughs> It's going to take a long time. Let's <laughs> over that. Here, let's... Okay. You know, the money will go in there, too. They're <laughs> sucking up your cash. <laughs> Stand up and show everybody how the money goes in. You want to hold the money up for everybody? Well, this is a $10 bill. Here. Here, put your money. Yeah, okay. All right, I think, why don't we hit time out? All right. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. This is going to go all day. We've got... Okay. <laughs> we would spend all day at church having offerings. So, all right, good job. So let's give everybody a round of applause for their great <laughs> All right, we have... <laughs> all right, thank you so much. That is... That is... Uh, there's money everywhere. I How think the boys that? jammed up. <laughs> We'll deal with this later. Uh, <laughs> well, that was exciting, wasn't it? And our pastor, our pastor gave us some yeah. great spiritual gems about octopus and octopi. I'm not sure what that was. Yeah. All right, now then, here's what's going to happen next. We're going to sing a song called the Family Prayer Song. And as we do, children are going to go out that door. And our summer choir is going to come. If you're in the choir, we have books down here on the front row. Come and get on the steps. Just wherever you can, and we're going to sing a choir song in a minute, okay? So, it's time for children to leave and <laughs> adult choir to come up here as we sing this song. <laughs> Come and fill our homes with your presence. Oh, <laughs> you alone. 
They had fun. <laughs> As for yeah, me and my house, we will serve <laughs> the Lord. As for me, the boys jammed up. We will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Sing it again. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. All right, the choir is going to sing a song called Revive Us again. It's going to be fun. All right, we're going to sing together, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. This will be our offertory hymn. Would you stand as we sing, please? Come Thou Fount. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise a mount I'm fixed upon it, mount of ivory. Here I raise my heaven. Hither by thy help 
come and I hope I safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God he to rescue me from danger interpose his precious blood oh to grace how great a debt oh, daily i'm constrained to be ushers you come prone to wander lord i feel it prone to leave the god i love here's my heart look take and seal it seal it for thy courts above let's pray together Father, we thank you for this day and another awakening, Father, that you brought us here together to worship you today corporately. Father, we ask that you would take these tithes and offerings and use it to grow your kingdom. We, Father, we ask that you would uh, just bless this body, Father, with a great week of EBS. And Lord, just uh, sustain us this week as we go our way. It's in your name we ask and pray all these things. Amen.
Thank you, Glenn. Thank you so much. That was outstanding. I feel like this is a cooking show. <laughs> Rachel Ray is going to walk through the door and cook some Father's Day food here. Um, open your Bibles, the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 20. Today is someone's anniversary. Sonny and Sandy Cloyd. Will you all raise your hand? And it's actually today their anniversary. 56 years today. That is, they're right there. That's true. <clears throat> that means, Sandy, you have to take him out for anniversary and Father's Day. So he gets to go to a nice place today. So I, Sherry and I are going out to lunch, and she gives me a list of, oh, I, you know, I get to pick, but I have a list of three or four I have to pick from. So that's how, <laughs> that's how it goes. So for that, um, I have a, a, a picture up here on the, um, today, today is Father's Day, and we're going to talk about what it means to be a godly father, uh, talk about our choices, talk about what we're going to see here the first time in prayer that Abraham prayed, but many times... Men, particularly, you get upset or angry, or you make a decision, in anger especially, or you are scared, or whatever the reason, and you make that decision, and then you realize, what have I said, what have I done? It's kind of like, I think that, that's got to be a German shepherd. That's something they would do, those type of dogs. So they would go chase a bird off the cliff, and then they realize, uh-oh. Uh, but we're going to look here a story about Abraham. Abraham is going to do something that's just downright wrong. He lies in Genesis chapter 20. He's going to lie, and it's the second time he's done this. He lies about his relationship with his wife. And the thing is, Abraham and Sarah, at this point, they do not have any children. But three, uh, less than three months prior to this event we're about here to read about in um, Genesis chapter 20, God tells them that they are going to have a son. So they know the Lord by an angel sent these three uh, visitors that ended up becoming angels from the Lord, came and spoke to them and says, Hey, even though Abraham's 100 years old and Sarah's 90 years old, you are going to have children. You're going to have a son. So we know within a year, so it's going to be very soon, they're going to be expecting a baby boy. Well, what happens is after this great promise from God, they go into Philistine country, and they meet this king called Abimelech, and uh, uh, Sarah was a very attractive lady. So back in those times, if you were very pretty, and a new woman came to the, came to the town, came to the city, came to the land, uh, the king would take her. So Abraham, even at 90 years old, realized, my wife is gorgeous, so I'm aware, I'm an outsider, and we're Jewish, and we're going to be in Philistine country. So we're going to lie, and we're going to say we're brothers and sisters. Now, all, you know, a lot of times lies have half-truths with them. Well, the truth is, Abraham and Sarah had the same father, but different mothers. They were considered half-brothers and half-sisters, and they got married. Now, later on in Scripture, in Leviticus 18.10, the Bible actually condemns you are not allowed to have relations with your half-brother or half-sister, just in case anybody was wondering this morning. That's, that's wrong in the Bible. But at this point, this is before Leviticus, this is in Genesis chapter 20, Abraham married his half-sister, Sarah. And what happens is he shows up in this Philistine land, 
And he is very deceitful about his relationship with Sarah. And what I think what's, what's really the poor choice we see here from Abraham is God had just made this incredible promise. They had been praying for a son for so long. They had just been dying to have children. And God came to them and said, guess what? We're going to answer your prayers. Within a year, you will be expecting. You're going to have a boy. So they show up in this Philistine country, and Abraham just willing, here's my wife, you have her. Or, I'm sorry, my sister, you take her, King Abimelech. He just gave her away on, this, on the spot. I mean, most men don't give away their wives that, uh, that easily. <laughs> Some might want to, but, it, <laughs> but it, they, they're not supposed to. So one of the things we see here, and I think tying into this little thing, Men, sometimes we can make decisions very hastily or angrily or quickly before we've spent any time in prayer or sought the Lord. And then we look back and we say, what have I done? I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have done that. And that's, that's our message today. So I want you to follow along here in your Bible. Genesis chapter 20 in your, in your scripture. So... It's uh, kind of lengthy. It's going to be seven, 18 verses we're going to read here. From there, now what just happened? From there, um, Sodom and Gomorrah were just destroyed. Fire and sulfur rained down from heaven to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And the reason that was destroyed is because of the sin of homosexuality. That's where the sin of sodomy comes from, that city that was destroyed. That's Genesis 18 and 19. And then they have some problems with Lot. Lot gets drunk, makes a mistake with that. He has, his daughters get pregnant by him while he's drunk. Uh, Lot's wife turns while they're running away. She looks back to see well, the, uh, the fire raining down. She turns into a pillar of salt. Things just don't go well for Lot's family. So now all of a sudden, we get to Genesis chapter 20. But one of the, one of the um, Interesting things, we think, well, why does Abraham, we're about to see, he's going into Philistine territory. Why does he go into this land that's not for him? And the reason why is because he's probably trying to get away from Sodom. You know, they, were, they were in that region in southern Israel, so they're moving on. Because you know, when you have a city that's destroyed by fire from heaven, you think it's time to, it's time to move on. We don't need to hang around here much, much longer. So he's uh, traveled on to this new area here. From there Abraham traveled to the region of the Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur. While he was staying in Gerar, Abraham said about his wife, Sarah, She is my sister. Now, the crazy thing about this, about Abraham, this isn't the first time he did this. In, in um, Genesis 12, verses 12 through 15, they, Abraham and Sarah, they traveled to to Egypt, and this is a long time ago. Well, Sarah's a very pretty girl, so he tells his wife, you know, just tell everybody, uh, tell the Pharaoh that um, we'll say we're sister and brother. So he did that. Well, Pharaoh got sick. There was, a, you know, uh, diseases started breaking out, and Pharaoh realizes what has happened here. So you would think Abraham would have learned his lesson about lying. And one of the things about the lie here is he probably, men, it's easy to rationalize a lie when it's half true. He is Abraham's, Sarah and Abraham are half brothers and half sisters. They had the same father but different mothers. 
So he's probably thinking, I'm going to rationalize this and think, hey, you know, God will understand. But he won't. It's, it's complete deception. Any, if, if we give the appearance of deception, if our words do not line up, it's a lie. 30% of the truth is still a lie. 10% of the truth, or 90% truth and 10% lie is still a lie. And that's probably what's going on here. Abraham said, well, that's 50% true. So she's 50% my sister. So that's what he's doing. He's giving away his, his wife right here. So King Abimelech, this is verse 2, of Greer had Sarah brought to him. That's what you do back then. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, You are about to die because the woman you have taken, for she is a married woman. Now Abimelech, now what's amazing about this? Abimelech, he's not an Israelite. He's not even a follower of the God Yahweh. This is a Philistine king in southern Israel, in the Negev region, a desert region. A Abraham's down there to probably get away from Sodom and Gomorrah, from close that chapter in his life. So we're done with, we're done with those cities. So we came over to this Negev area of Greer. So what's happened here is Abraham forgets that, and one of the things we forget too even though someone, maybe they aren't believers, and they don't believe in God, God can still speak to lost people. He does speak to lost people. He's using a dream to talk and to speak to the Philistine king here. And it's what, exactly what he's doing. He's, gonna, he's appearing in a dream to this man. Now Abimelech had not approached her, verse 4, for he said, Lord, would you destroy a nation even though it is innocent? Didn't he himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. So that means they were in on it together, both Abraham and Sarah. I did this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Abimelech saying, in the dream, God, hey, I, I'm innocent. They both lied to me. I did not know. She's a pretty 90-year-old lady, and she showed up, and I have clean hands. That's, that, that's truth. Then God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you did this with a clear conscience. I have also kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I have not, I have not let you touch her. You know, the great thing about it is <clears throat> God is protecting Abraham's wife. Abraham and Sarah, their character at this point is really low. But the Lord has intervened. He's saying, Abimelech, I'm not going to allow you. Men, when you pray for your families, when you pray for your spouse and your children, what you're praying is, you're praying for a hedge of protection over your wife and your kids that evil will not touch their life, that bad, bad things will not come. And that's what ha has happened here. God has answered this prayer even though the deceitfulness of Abraham and Sarah. In many ways, Abimelech is more, more noble, we're going to see in this story, than Abraham is. He's a more godly man in this example. Verse 7. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. The powerful thing about this verse, this is the first place in Scripture that we see the word prayer or pray used. Now, you say, Dan, what about last week? Last week, what we looked at, we looked about how 
uh, the mess that Cain and Abel got into. They killed, uh, Cain killed Abel. Then uh, Cain's family tree went downhill because his children, Lamech, started killing other people. They killed two people. But then a new child named Seth was born to replace Abel. And it said at that point, the men began to call upon the name of the Lord. But the word prayer wasn't used. Now that's the same thing. They're calling, they're crying out to God. But what we see here, I want you to see what's happening. This is what we call intercessory prayer. This is the first time the word prophet's used in the Bible. God calls Abraham a prophet. And God told Abimelech, this is in a dream, that this man, Abraham, who is a prophet, he's going to pray for you and you will be healed. Man, look at the power in that. God is saying, Abimelech, you need to get rid of this man's wife. She doesn't need to be in your palace here. What you're doing, even though they've deceived you, you need to understand who's in your presence. And that's why I'm going to show mercy Because this man Abraham, he's a prophet. I've chosen him. And you're going to pray. And I'm going to hear his prayer and heal your family. And forgive you, Abimelech. There won't be any consequences for this. Now, men, if we see God instructing Abraham to pray, surely he's telling us, intercessory prayer is when there's a prayer need, When you're hearing about there's a mess, there's sin, there's a disease, it's when men, we go to the Lord in prayer, and He hears our request, He hears our prayer, and He answers it. This man was healed, Abimelech, because of Abraham's prayer. And God is the first one who's instructed, He's the first person in the Bible to use the word prayer. He's the first one in the Bible to use the word prophet. And he's speaking to a Philistine, someone who's not even chosen by the Lord. We see the power of intercessory prayer. Many times this summer, we are in a season of prayer here at our church. And we're praying for our church. We're praying for our church's future. We're praying for VBS. We're praying for people to get saved. We're praying to have a great gospel witness here. We're praying for the teenagers that came back from youth camp. Praying for children's camp next week. Praying for the gospel to go out in Lexington and makes an impact in folks' life. And one of the things we have to see is prayer is something, I think a lot of times, that we forget, we, and I'm speaking myself, we forget the importance of it. Listen, Abimelech would not have been healed. He would not be even alive if Abraham didn't pray for him. And God is telling Abraham and telling through Abimelech that this man, he's going to pray for you. Verse 8, keep going here. Or actually, latter part of verse 7. But if you do not return her, know that you will certainly die, you and all who are yours. God's saying, I'm going to kill all your family because you've got Sarah. Early in the morning, I love, you know, when God tells you something to do, do you wait to the afternoon or the evening? Do you wait to say, you know, I'll do it next week. I'll start Sunday school in August. I'll start going to church next Sunday. You know, tomorrow we're going to do everything. You know, tomorrow is the greatest day. When God places something on your heart, when God has spoken to you men, when you know, when you've received instruction for the Lord, look at Abimelech. 
You know, this guy here we're reading about, Abilinch, he's a foreign king, but we see so many rich principles from this man's life. Early in the morning, this guy couldn't wait for the sun to come up. Because God had told him, if you don't get rid of this woman, you're going to die. Early in the morning, Abimelech got up, called all his servants together, and personally told them all these things. And the men were terrified. They said, men, we have a, a crisis going on. I have um, met the Lord in a dream, and I've stolen this man's wife. And God's not happy. We're about to die. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said to him, What have you done to us? How did I sin against you that you have brought such enormous guilt on me and on my kingdom? You have done things to me that you never should have done. Abimelech also asked Abraham, What made you do this? Abraham replied. So this is Abraham's flimsy answer. I thought there is absolutely no fear of God in this place. They will kill me because of my wife. You know, well, you know what that means when we have that same attitude? Abraham basically said, Men, we do the same. You know, I'm going into a situation that the people are maybe not like me and things are different. So I'm going to take, I don't trust the Lord, but I'm going to take matters into my own hands. This is when we get angry and we try to solve something ourselves. Abraham felt instead of trusting the Lord, he knew best. And the best thing to do is to start lying. That's what Abraham said there. He says, I'm going to start lying about this. And God is not pleased. Verse 12. And I think what's powerful about this is Abraham said, they will kill me because of my life. wife. You know, if God appeared to you personally, you know, a couple of chapters early, these visitors came to Abraham and said, hey, you're about to have a child. This is the Lord appearing. I'm going to bless you with a child. And within one year from now, you're going to have Isaac. Abraham didn't believe it. Because if he believed that promise from God, he would not think, this king I'm in, this Philistine king, is going to kill me. He just didn't trust God. You know, this is Abraham's the father of the Israelites. He's the man who trusted the Lord so much to leave his homeland and travel from the land of Ur of the Chaldeans all the way to Israel. He brought Lot with him. He shouldn't have done that, but he did. But he went there. He trusted the Lord so much, and that was so many years ago. That was decades ago. Listen, just because, men, just because you had a spiritual victory decades ago, and you were able to trust the Lord in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, that does not mean you're doing it today. Trust in the Lord is something that we have to do daily. And at this point, Abraham, even after God's promise, saying, I'm going to give you a child. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. You've got great things coming for you. He didn't believe them. He did not believe them. He thought, these people are going to kill me. Let's start a lie. Let's take matters on him. Move along here. We're going to eventually, we're going to finish it. The scriptures, what it says here. Verse verse 12 besides this is this is how men rationalize this is a father's day man right here besides she really is my sister the daughter of my father though not the daughter of my mother and she became my wife so he's saying this is my half half sister here 
So when God had me wonder from my father's house, I said to her, Show your loyalty to me wherever we go, and say about me, He is my brother. Then Abimelech took flocks and herds, and male and female slaves, gave them to Abraham, and returned his wife Sarah to him. Abimelech said, Look, my land is before you. Settle wherever you want. And he said to Sarah, Look, I'm giving your brother 1,000 pieces of silver. It is verification of your honor and all who are with you. You are fully vindicated. Abimelech took God's word seriously. Abraham did not obey God's word. He's over here lying, and this Philistine king's realizing, if I don't make restitution, if I don't take care of these folks, there will be grave consequences for me and my family. So not only is he letting Sarah go free, he's giving all these animals and all this money and all the land, saying, you just get whatever you want. You take that, that can be your land, I'll take mine. Just, Lord, I don't want to die. We see a repentant heart, a responsive heart, to Abimelech. He's responding to God quickly, and he's, he's taking care of it. Verse 17, now look at what Abraham does. This is the first time we see Abraham use that. He's using the word, he prayed. The first one, the word prayed is used, or second time here in this verse, or in this chapter. Then Abraham prayed to God. He prayed to God over this. And God healed Abimelech's wife, his female slaves, so they could bear children. For the Lord had completely closed all the wombs in Abimelech's household on account of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Say, Dan, why would he do that? Why would God close the womb? Remember, God's ultimate plan was for Abraham to have children with Sarah. Because we've already received that promise. Isaac's coming very soon. And there doesn't need to be any doubt that Sarah and Abimelech had any type of relations. So God would not even allow, he intervened and wouldn't even allow Abimelech to be near Sarah. There was a hedge of protection around Abraham's wife. Men, is there a hedge of protection around your wife and your children? Because there's one around Sarah. And not only that, he also said, not only am I going to prevent you from being next to Sarah, I'm going to close the womb of all of your family and your household. So there's nothing that's going to happen here. That way there'll be no mystery about whose Isaac's parents are. Now this story here, tying to all this about prayer, is we see how through really through Abraham's sin, Abraham and Sarah's deceitfulness, they're lying that they came out. God made a provision, and even though they weren't as faithful. We do see the faithfulness is of Abimelech here. For us, tying this in today, and looking at this in today, many times we have parents who make bad decisions. I want to tell you the story of Brian Mackert. Brian Mackert, and I've never been in this place, is called Colorado City, Arizona. I think it's in extreme northern Arizona. It's right there in the corner with Colorado. This is the place that's the headquarters. It's called the Fundamentalist Church of Latter Day, Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Now, this isn't just the LDS Church. This is the Fundamentalist LDS Church. They still today believe in polygamy, even though it's illegal in the state. They believe in it and they teach it. 
And the rules there is the men, they have to have, in order to become, they believe, grown men, that you have to have three wives in order to become a godhead when you pass away. So this guy, Brian Mackert, he's now a Southern Baptist pastor. He grew up in one of these families. He grew up there in Colorado City, Arizona. And Brian was child, listen to this, he had, his dad had 31 children with four different women. He was number 28 of 31. And he grew up, and he saw, I think there's even a TV show about this city and this, this really semi-cult over there, about how horrific this is, polygamy, and the, the consequences as just destroying people's lives. Well, this guy was angry. He grew up, and it was just, just a mess. You, it just, you know, kids everywhere. You know, who's, who knows? Mamas, you've got multiple mothers over here. The dads have 31 children and don't even know. I mean, it's just, you can just imagine how horrible their situ- situation. Well, he grew up angry. Well, he joined the Navy, this young man. And while he was in the Navy, um, his anger and resentment towards his father continued to grow. Well, about a decade ago, he decided, you know, I'm going to kill my dad. In fact, I'm going to do it on Father's Day because he is literally, because uh, he, he got out of this fundamentalist LDS church, broke away from that, and said, this is garbage, this is horrific what they're teaching, what they're doing there in Colorado City, Arizona. So he had made these plans on Father's Day about a decade ago. He's in the Navy. He had so much anger towards his dad, he was going to kill the man. Well, one of our NAM chaplains got a hold of him. North American Mission Board has chaplains in the Navy, our armed forces. Well, they, he talked to a chaplain, and he was getting, Father's Day was approaching, well, he got saved. The man shared the gospel with him. He realized what he was doing was wrong. He gave his life to the Lord. Got married and asked his dad for forgiveness. And God, when he got out of the Navy, God started doing a work in Brian's life. And God says, I want you to go back to Colorado City, Arizona, and you're going to plant a church. And you're going to start ministering to the people there who are trapped in polygamy, who are trapped in this cult and this type of behavior, and their lives are just ruined over this. And that's what this man does today. And I share this story because sometimes, some of us here for Father's Day, truthfully, you think about your dad, and you identify with Brian Mackhurt, because you're, you did not have a godly father. You did not have an Abraham who's teaching you and praying for you growing up. You didn't have the blessing of being able to come to VBS. In fact, your home life, your father, he was absent, or he was abusive, or he was just distant from your life. And really, you grow up without that, and there's anger built up. And you're going to do something about it. You become a young man and say, I don't like my dad. I don't like how I was treated. I don't like the lot I was given. So there's this desire in our lives, men, of revenge, of I'm going to stick it to him. I'm going to get back to what, what he deserves. But the gospel, Jesus does not allow us to do that. When Jesus was on the cross, when Jesus was nailed to a tree, I'm sure he had 
feelings for those people who were beating him and mocking him and just tormenting him up there. But he didn't come down, even in all authority he could have. Listen, a godly father, instead of responding in anger, instead of responding men in revenge, we say, what? How would, how would the Lord allow me to do this? In Brian's life, he says, I'm going to go back. Instead of going back and killing my father, I'm going to go back and try to lead my father to Christ. I'm going to go back and find my 30 brothers and sisters and invite them to come to this church that I'm planning. And do you know what? That man is baptizing people out. He's de- there's a sense of deliverance with his ministry. He has seen some of his 30 brothers and sisters get saved and baptized. The main point that we see... And this story with the fundamentalist LDS church and with Abraham, in both examples, it's God's grace that's preserving everything. God's grace, He's taking care of Abraham and Sarah even though they are lying, even though they are not being obedient to the Lord, even though they are showing God, we do not trust you. God's still making that provision. And in Brian's life, he's ready to kill his his dad on Father's Day. A decade ago. And God put a, a, a chaplain into his life at the Navy who led him to Christ and he got saved. Now he's ba- ba- pastoring a church there. You know, I want to put five, four or five things here in closing up on the screen. Men, these are takeaways for us that apply to our life, that our spiritual influence. We cannot underestimate our spiritual influence in our life that the Lord has placed on. Number one, Parents are prophets to their children. Did you know that? Men, you are a prophet to your child. Abraham was the very first prophet. We see it right here in Genesis chapter 20. A prophet means, a prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God. Listen, your children and your grandchildren, when you, you should be teaching them about the Lord. You should be instructing them about this. You should be buying them study Bibles and the children's Bibles and teen study Bibles so they have opportunities to read about and learn the great Bible stories. You're, you say, I'm not a prophet. You're a prophet to your children. They have to listen to you. Your grandchildren, if you're going to give them money, make, preach a sermon to them first, then turn over the money. Make sure it says, I'm going to do something great for you, but I'm going to give you Jesus as well. That's prophecy. You're speaking biblical truth into their life. Men, we take advantage. Every opportunity to further the further the gospel and the Jesus in our children and grandchildren's life, we do it. Number two, Jesus Christ broke the curse so you could break the cycle. Well, the break the curse is Jesus has conquered and defeated the devil just because you grew up in maybe a difficult home situation, a difficult home life, your father was absent or your father abused you. That doesn't mean you have to do the same. We can't, don't use that as an excuse. Just because, and Brian Mack heard here in Colorado Center, Arizona, that's his story. He could have easily said, you know what, I, of all the people on the planet Earth to be born to, I get born into a polygamous family. I have 30 brothers and sisters and four mamas and one dad. This is wacko. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something about it. He was angry. All he talked about, all growing up, he had this built-up anger. Listen, Jesus, He frees us from that. Don't use that as an excuse. You break the cycle if that's you. Start a new cycle. Start a gospel cycle in your life. That's His Father's influence. Number three, fathers must take the, 
take responsibility for their prayer lives. Abraham had to pray for Abimelech. He was expected to pray. In fact, Abimelech and his family would not be healed until Abraham prayed. Do you have, men, that same intercessory prayer? I tell you, it is so easy to make excuses for our prayer lives or a lack of prayer life. But we see Abraham, this man, prayed to God, and God heard and answered his prayer. Men, God expects you and I to model our prayer life after Abraham. And you say, Daniel, I don't know what to pray. All it says is Abraham prayed. He just asked the Lord, and God answered that prayer. The, the, we, we, we lack in prayer, or we have no prayer life, the responsibility falls to us. Men, God expects us to be praying for our wives, to be praying for our children, be praying for our grandchildren, be praying for your pastor, be praying for your church, be praying for our great church's witness to our community. Guys, it falls to us. Number four, there's a difference between getting alone with God and getting. You know, one of the great things about getting alone with God is it's hard to be alone today. Everybody has a phone in their hand or electronic device or a computer always around them. And that's getting. You're there, but you're not really there. Like some of you could be in church there. Somebody texts you, you get it immediately. You get it before point number five because you're always available. When you're always available, it's hard to be always available to God. Because someone else and the devil will make sure there's going to be some interruptions in your prayer life. One of the great things, Abraham, we see throughout his life, he, was, he spent a lot of time alone with God. Do you know Abraham was the one? He prayed alone for God. When God told him, says, I'm going to destroy the chapter before this one, chapter 18 19, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you know it was Abraham? He was alone with God, interceding. Says if we can even find ten people, well, they couldn't find ten people. They found six. They couldn't find very many. But Abraham was the one there interceding alone with God. Men, our prayer life, God's speaking to you, saying, You need, you need to, it needs to be me and the Lord alone. Number five, last thing we're going to see here. If dad goes to church. Did you know the family attends church? So goes dad, so goes the family. Men, I want you to know here, our church, if we have weak men, if we have a weak, weak uh, men's ministry, if you have, a, you have, a, you have da- fathers and dads and deacons, the men in the church, if they are the weakest point of church, you will have a weak church. You have a weak family. You have broken families. When dad wants to do something, a lot of times the rest of the family, they fall into place. And one of the reasons why, because dad spends the money to do it. If dad decides he's going to buy something, people say, all right, let's get in the car. It's time to go. Because there's a sense I'm going to follow my father's leadership. And that's ingrained in us in the Scriptures. The Bible tells us, men, that we are to be the head of our household, the head of our families, and also that transpires over the head of the church. Young men, God should be expecting to raise you up so you'll be godly leaders, if not in this church, and whatever church He raises you up in. You'll grow up and God may be calling you to the ministry or call you to be a deacon. But listen, men, if you don't go to church, if it's not a priority for dad and the fathers and grandfathers, the rest of the family, when one person doesn't want to go, 
it's easy for the other person to say, ah, we'll miss too. And you get in that habit. Going to church, having a devotional life, having a prayer life, it's a habit. It's habitual. We're creatures of habit. And you wake up and you spend time with the Lord. You go to bed and you spend time with the Lord. On Sundays, you come and worship the Lord. Men, that is how we are to be spiritual influence. God has placed in our life, just like with Abraham. God has called Abraham. He has a plan for Abraham. He's, he's put Abraham and Sarah together, even though they're half-sister and brother. But God is moving this family together. And despite their sin and their rebellion, God is still working in their life. I promise, if God has a plan for Abraham, He has a plan for you. Even if you're in Philistine country this morning, even if you're a place you don't want to be, even if you're just going around lying to everybody, like Abraham and Sarah were, you're going to meet an Abimelech, somebody who's very unsuspecting, but actually is more godly than you were, than you are. This Philistine king is more righteous in this chapter than Abraham is. And Abraham is the father of the Jewish folks. We're about to have a prayer. In our season of prayer, I'm going to pray for our fathers this morning. We're going to pray for our men that we will have be men of influence. Men, God has brought you here. God has brought this scripture into your life so you can see the power, just like Abraham prayed and God answered his prayer. Men, God expects you as dads and grandfathers and great-grandfathers God hears and answers your prayer. You need to make a commitment that says, I will join the Lord in intercessory prayer. God created intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is praying for someone else. Your prayers should not be selfish. Selfish prayers are me-centered. Selfish prayers are saying, God, here's what I want. Intercessory prayer is saying, I'm going to go to the Lord, and just God, I'm going to pray for other people. I'm not going to use the word me or the word I. It's all about others. God, I pray this morning for the men. Pray for the fathers and the grandfathers and the fathers-to-be. Lord, I pray that we will be the godly dads and fathers you've called us. Lord, this is not an option. Lord, we are, we are a, an army here of Abrahams, of men that you have a plan for in our life. And Lord, it's not a plan just to wander around and lie to people. Lord, it's a plan that we should be trusting you. God, I pray this morning, that if there's anyone here, maybe they're not ready to respond publicly, but they just need to respond in their pew, and they need to say, God, I'm ready to be a godly father. I'm ready to have the spiritual influence over my home and my wife and my children that, Lord, you've called me to be. If you can do it with Abraham, you can do it in my life. Lord, I pray during this invitation that we will be serious about it, a commitment. Lord, I pray for the men in our church and the men there this morning. Lord, it's a day for us to reflect and say, where am I at spiritually as a man? Am I, am I being the godly man you want me to be? Lord, during this invitation, if you've placed something in our heart, if we need to respond, we need to get saved this morning. Just like Brian Mackert got saved, he was led to Christ by a chaplain. Lord, I, someone here could be led to Christ by their pastor. Lord, if someone needs to receive baptism, or may Broadway Baptist are home. This is our time to do business with you. Now, I want to do something different for our invitation. I don't want everybody to look up right now. During this invitation, I want, to rem I want you, we're going to stand up. I want you to keep your eyes closed. In our season of prayer, I want you to be praying during invitation. Be praying for the men. Women, be praying for your husbands. Be praying for your dads. Be praying for your grandfathers. 
pray during this invitation for the people around you and for people to respond. An invitation is for our time to look in our hearts and to do business with the Lord. So let's stand up with our eyes closed. And David Dale is going to lead us our invitational song. And I'm going to be waiting down front. If you need to respond, I'll be down here waiting for you with no one looking around. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I hope. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as Sunstained. 